and welcome to the Turtle Tracks Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker, and today with me is the original voice of Leonardo, Mr. Cam Clark. Isn't he dead? <laughs> He's so old. You sure? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing today, Cam? I am well. Uh uh, been gardening this morning and then I'm going to go for a hike. And that's about the extent of my day during lockdown in California. Yeah. A lot of people are doing that now. Just a whole lot of nothing. So <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, I guess, uh, I guess we'll start at the beginning if that's all right with you. I'm, I'm curious how you, uh, copy. A very good place to start a little sounding music. Come on, work with me. I'm sorry. I need a refresher on sound and music, to be honest with you. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, so how did you uh, get started uh, in acting or performing? Uh, <clears throat> well, my I come from a family of entertainers. My father was an actor. My mother was a uh, very famous singer. And uh, in the 1960s, she had a singing group with her sisters called the King Sisters. And uh, in the early 60s, the King sisters were asked to do a benefit, a, a uh, benefit for something. And my aunt Yvonne thought it would be a wacky idea, kooky idea, if we put the kids in the show. And she happened to, for whatever reason, because obviously she had this idea. So she uh, had it filmed, like just with a dumb, you know, back in the day, uh, Super 8, if you've ever heard of that archaic expression. Mm-hmm. Liar. I have. There was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she had this thing filmed and just, you know, dumb black and white. And she took it to a friend of hers at ABC and uh, showed them this raw footage. And he said, how soon can we get a pilot made? So um, my family, we had a series on ABC a couple of times, and we did all kinds of like, you know, holiday specials, you know, Christmas with the King family, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I've always been in the business. And in fact, uh, I have a couple of episodes where I do voice and I'm seven years old and they have me do uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Wow. And cause I guess they'd heard me do it. And uh, also did um, Jimmy Durante. Wow. And I do it on the show at seven years old. And uh, so, um, so I started doing voices way back then. And I'm anyway, arranged for seven. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> and um, so then I just, one thing led to another. When I uh, grew up, I uh, left the biz, left the country. I was living uh, in South America for a couple of years. And when I came back, uh, you know, I couldn't get arrested as an actor. You know, <laughs> I, nobody would nobody would have the time and you know i had this great agent and he said oh yeah when you come back no problem well typical hollywood story it was like he wouldn't even return a phone call Jeez. so i went to art school i went to otis parsons design um, okay. no parsons is there in new york the original 
because mm-hmm. I wanted to be an illustrator of children's books. And uh, then my brother was working as a uh, uh, an associate producer at Warner Brothers. And while I was in school, he said, hey, Kim, I need to, there's a show, there's a spinoff. Uh, there were, you know, Dukes of Hazard had a spinoff called Enos. One of the characters from that. Anyway, it was a short-lived show, but he needed people to do voiceovers for it. And so that's where I started. And, um, you know, met a lot of people that way. And then met this one couple on, uh, I couldn't even tell you what movie it was, but doing, uh, doing background voices. And the woman, whose name is Linda Gary, who was like everywhere in cartoon land in the 70s. She was it. She was the gal. You know, it was June Foray, and then comes, you know, Linda Gary. Um, and she said, have you ever thought of doing this for like, you know, for real, for like a living? And I kind of went, <laughs> thanks so much, but I'm going to be a movie star. Um, and she went, yeah, okay. Well, in the meantime, so she set me up with her agent and a coach because I tried everything. I, I tried modeling. I tried live theater. I, like I told you, I tried to get a TV rep. Uh, anyway, no bites, no bites. But the voiceover thing uh, just really took off from, from the beginning, right from the beginning. So from the background voices, what does that entail? What, what, what was involved in that? Uh, there's a thing, uh, there's a thing called looping. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, so that your, your listeners know in movies and television, when you're watching a show, uh, say your actors are in a bar and the TV's on in the background and there's a football game that's all laid in after the fact, you know, the, uh, uh sports announcers and stuff. Or we do fight grunts and death rattles. We do sex scenes where we kiss our hands and then, you know, do the moaning and groaning. Uh, We do, you know, the uh, police radio, you know, one out of 40. We have your suspect on Route 9. Please advise. And will Dr. Jones please pick up a white courtesy phone? Dr. Jones, white courtesy phone. (laughs) All that stuff is laid in after the fact whether it's a football game or a high school locker room or, you know, uh, where, wherever, uh, a kindergarten or astronauts on Saturn. It's uh, all this stuff is laid in after the fact. So those fight grunts, I'm guessing, came in handy later and the turtles. <laughs> like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how, so when you get started in voice work after that, then, uh, like, how did you, what was the first cartoon role and how did that lead to Turtles? Um, well, I don't know that it led to Turtles. I mean, okay. a lot of these things, you just, you were lucky. Hold on. I'm going to have a sip of water. Um, I talked to the boys about this often and some of the other people that I've worked with, but mainly Turtles. I go, what if... What if I was sick that day? Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know, so much is, you know, that fragile in our, in, in everybody's lives. But uh, that was, that I could have not been it just by virtue of not auditioning. But I started doing um, 
through this looping group, I met a lady and I started doing Mexican soap operas. Okay. Um, dubbing them to English. And through that, I, you know, you, you meet a guy and you meet a gal who knows a guy and knows a gal. And then I started working, doing dubbing for anime. Of course, we, it didn't, ha- it wasn't called that. I don't know what we called it. Sure. Um, and it was really the bastard stepchild. It was, didn't have the uh, cachet that it, you know, has now. It was just stuff that, you know, ran in syndication if you're lucky and paid really crappy. But I uh, worked on a show called Robotech, which has a little bit of a cult following um, in the anime world. Uh, but I think my first regular uh, uh, animation job, you know, where we where the voices go first, unlike anime, uh, was a thing called Dino Riders. Oh, sure. I know Dino Riders. Liar. I've heard of it. I'm only lying slightly. I don't know the characters, but I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. And so you meet a direct, you know, this director and that one, and, you know, you start just auditioning and, you know, you throw it up against the wall and see what sticks. Do you know um, who, I, I presume you know who Michael Bell is? Uh, remind me. You waited too long. He was uh, a big, and, and he's, of course, I say was, he's very much alive, but he, like Linda Gary, was really big in the 70s and like 80s. Okay. And uh, when I met my agent, uh, she poked her head in the room after I did my first little audition. And she said, uh, sounds like a young Michael Bell. I like that. And then shut the door. <laughs> um. I, I studied with a cartoon coach and uh, met Jimmy Cummings. We were both in the same beginner's uh, animation class. Oh, very cool. And uh, Rob, Rob uh, Paulson was already full into the game. And I met Tony actually before we did cartoons, when he first moved out from uh, Cleveland. Is he from Cleveland, I think? Somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. We met as contestants on a game show, Super Password. Oh, wow. So there's an episode of Super Password with both of you on it? Not in the same episode, but in the same, you know, we were in the pool together. We were in the talent, you know, where you audition and they choose, you know, a a chunk of folks, maybe 15 people or whatever. And you, you know, like you're in a jury box, you just hang out in this green room waiting for your number to be called. So wouldn't that have been wild if we had been against each other? <laughs> but we were uh, in, the, in this, like I said, in the same little herd uh, and we hit it off and we stayed in contact and, and hung out. And then I saw him in audition. I went, what the hell are you doing here? What are you doing here? So that's awesome. And you were, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you are related to uh, um, Pat Fraley, correct? He is a, like a second cousin, nine times removed, or a fourth and a half cousin. (laughs) We both come from Mormon background, and we have polygamy. Polygamy is our connection. I think, like, we have the same great, great granddaddy, or, but different you know, different wives, 
but uh, yeah, we share we share that. Oh, cool. So, did you know him when you were young, or no? Just no, no. Later. Uh, he was part of the Arizona family, and um, I honestly don't know. Uh, don't tell, don't any of you tell him this. I don't know if we met as kids or if when we got started working together, he said, "Hey, by the way, I'm your cousin," because um, we all lived in California. The family name was Driggs. Is the okay. family name D R I G G S, and his branch lived in Arizona, and ours was in Los Angeles. Oh wow! Okay, that was that. Sorry, my phone is just exploding. Let me turn this to. Uh, we have Corona battles going on with who believes what, and I'm like, stop already. That's upsetting. Ah. Um. So, what do you remember about uh like? The first call for turtles, anything like that. What do you? Uh, what 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 stands out to you still? Nothing. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it was just another audition, you know. Sure. Um, audition for a zillion shows, and that was one of them. And I, you know, got a call back, like I did on some and not on others. So you know, before a project is done, exists, you don't really get jazzed you know sure. it's like mm, you know or you'll work on a revival title like i was cast as a poindexter in a reboot of felix the cat which is a show that i grew up on and i was like really excited it sure. lasted two seasons huh. and i did a show called attack of the killer tomatoes which is also a uh, was a huge cult oh yeah you know sci-fi movie and I got cast in that, and I was like, woohoo, you know, a known title. But that doesn't guarantee anything either. So I just came to just go, whatever, you know, uh, just tell me if I booked it and where to show up. Sure. Um, I heard that early on that they kind of swapped you guys around just to see who works in what voice. Is that, is that correct? Except they didn't swap around. They were supposed to. Oh, Okay. They didn't know in the session, uh, they knew who Rob was going to be and who Barry was going to be, but they hadn't decided which, between Townie and me, who was going to be Leo and who was going to be Mikey. Of course, we weren't called Leo and Mikey in those days. Sure. Um, and so they pretty much flipped a coin, literally, and and just went oh, oh boom okay heads or tails whatever oh, okay Cam you start as Leo, Tony you start as Michelangelo, and um, then at the break after the first table read um, they were and I I think we both or maybe I did said because I really wanted to be Michelangelo oh really <laughs> well sure he's the star he's the you know goofball and I said hey uh, we gonna switch back are we gonna uh, not switch back but you know are we gonna you know switch flop whatever and they went i no 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 just, just uh, that's good that's working okay uh let's get back uh i'm gonna rehearse again and that was the end of it and i was so jealous did you have your surfer mikey voice ready to go of course i did i i was chosen to be it was him and i were they heard our voices as Switchable, so, so yeah, my Michelangelo is like this. So wow, 
Mine, you know, is a little more Keanu Reeves because Tony has, and I can't imitate him. He's got a bassy voice. Yeah. So his surfer is a, a, a little more moondoggy. <laughs> and, you know, and mine's, you know, more like this. However, I was able to use this voice on two shows. Um, one on Denver, The Last Dinosaur. Do you remember that show? No, I'm not going to lie. Okay, I played a character named Mario, uh, and he was a surf dude. And then also on Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, uh, I played Igor, who was this big blonde surfer dude. He kind of looked like uh, Bam Bam when they did the, you know, when Pebbles and Bam Bam grew up and became teenagers in a rock and roll band. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he was just this big, blonde, doofy guy, you know, who talked like this, who didn't surf with that. So, and because I'm a valley boy, I know that voice before any of the rest of the country did. I remember in high school, I remember in high school going, what the, what the hell is that sound? What's all that lack jaw stuff? This was in the mid seventies going, going, why is that girl talking like this? You know, where did all those H's come from? And we would, there was this one girl, and I remember we would tease and I would mimic her. <laughs> um, you know, she taught, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Bass, uh, is our test going to be on Friday? And I'm like, what the hell is that? But we called it surf because I went to a surf school, you know? Um, we, were, we lived, you know, a minute from the beach, and that sound was born you know i was i was there i was there at the beginning of of valley talk of you know surf talk i'm guessing too uh townsend's voice on the tick might have been informed that what his leonardo might have been uh yeah it's, uh, i would venture to say that it's a little bassy for a quote teenager so it oh true would uh, he just would have you know lightened it up a little bit? Sure. Um, but yeah, it was it was straighter, and that was the hardest part for me. It was that Leo was just this was just the straight guy. Pardon the pardon the pun. <laughs> and everybody else got all the silly lines, and I just had to go. We got to think of something fast in every episode. Was that tough throughout the episode? Like, like, because everybody else gets all the good lines, arguably. Like, was that tough throughout the series just to have all the straight lines? Totally. And in fact, I got called into the principal's office, you know, like, Cam, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm kind of, you know, everybody's so out there. I'm just kind of making like, I was trying to make him more like the tick, a teenage tick, because I was making him kind of superhero. And they go, no, 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 no. No, don't. And the director, Sue Blue, just went, don't fight me on this. And, but you will hear if you listen to the original episodes, I kind of just do it like this. He's kind of just uh, right about here, maybe a little vocal fry, a little, you know, little this, little Michael J. Fox thing, which I used to do a lot. Sure. Um, and then he kind of ended up being here. So he still got this kind of more cartoony voice, whereas in the first episodes, he kind of just talked like this. Oh, true. It's so funny. You don't realize it when you're watching them, uh, like, you know, because I'm sure it, it, it evolved gradually, but you don't, it's funny that change. Well, and I didn't even know I'd slipped into it unless you listen. Did you ever watch Will and Grace? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
the, the rich girl, uh, Grace's friend, who talked okay. in that really high, teeny voice. If you watch the first episode, she just used her regular voice. And somehow, I don't know if it was a director's note, but all of a sudden, she's talking like this, honey. You see, honey? And she's got this yeah. whiny, whiny voice. Whereas yeah. when the show started, she was just using her voice. Sure. I mean, I, I imagine that's uh, often true where they get more and more cartoony as the series goes on. That happened well, I, to Feldman and a bunch I of other things. just wanted... I just wanted to be like the other guys. There's a few episodes, though, where I think you got to be a little bit more like... I, and I don't remember which episode this was, but there was one episode where Leonardo got to, strangely enough, have like a snake phobia. And like, you have to be kind of whiny and afraid the whole episode. And I remember like... Oh, I love it. Maybe once in a while you got a chance to slip into it, but usually Leo... Well, there was one little episode, or maybe it was two, where he says, I'm over it. And he's like, I am done trying to pull you guys together. And he goes, you guys take over. You guys get to be the leader. I'm done. And in this episode, or two episodes, whatever it was, I got to eat pizza and I got to just hang around the lair and all that stuff. And that was probably my funnest because it was, you know, me getting to be something more than the straight man. But after a while, you, you know, you put your ego aside and just go, okay, this is, Leo is just like this. And he says, come on, guys, April, it's Leo. Uh, Shredder and Krang are on their way. You know, I, I didn't get to say with pepperoni pizza, you know, or... Well, your dual hanks is Jake's Leonardo. You know, it's so whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, I'm so grateful to be a part of it and don't read into this that oh no, my life was horrible for having to be Leonardo. Uh, I'm curious, what informs that kind of straight guy boring voice? Like what what goes into that? Like I know what went into the surfer guy voice, but like what informs that? Um, informs it? You mean, what, how did I choose the straight like what did you base it on? voice? Yeah. What? Like, what did you base it on? Or what, inf- like, yeah. How did you choose that? I, I, I wish, you know, Townie, who has collected everything, he's such a pack rat. He has every script we ever shot. Wow. Um, I don't know if he has the original auditions where it would have had, you know, a picture and a little description of who it's supposed to be. But I had a little in my hip pocket, I had celebrities that I used as um, my jumping off point. And as I said, uh, who's kind of a hip teenage yet leader kind of somebody? And I went Michael J. Fox. Oh, yeah. So I would say that the germ of Leonardo, because he talks like this, you know, it kind of sounds like Alex Keaton, you know? Sure. Yeah, I see it. And um. My my go-tos were Michael J. Fox. Um, um, shit. Um, ah! Uh, okay, Simba. Um, Matthew Broderick. Oh, okay. And you played Simba a bunch of times. Which I do a scary impersonation of him. Cool. And John Travolta, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Um, those, those were kind of the go-to guys for me. They were huge then. Um, and they represented pretty much the arc of, uh, uh, you know, young male leads. Not that Travolta was anywhere near my, I mean, I mean, um, Stallone was in my voice box, but his, that attitude that, you know, that, that Yo Vinny thing I was able to employ. 
And I also would use uh, Gene Wilder. Oh, very cool. Which was my inspiration for um, Freddy the Ferret in Barnyard, which was my favorite character I ever did. Really? Why is that? um, Because it was the zaniest, goofiest thing and just such a signature sound that I made. And it's like sometimes you will at auditions, you have these voices that you have created and you keep auditioning with them in the hopes that somebody's going to say, that's the sound we want for this character. And Barnyard is when that got, when that voice clicked. Um, Because he talked like this and Gene Wilder, when he'd get upset, he'd have the, you know, like, when he'd be using uh, 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 Willy Wonka, you oh, know, yeah, for sure. he'd do this kind of a thing. And when his voice got loud or in the producers or the blue blanket. Yeah. 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 <laughs> blue blanket. Exactly. Yes, exactly Very good one. reference. That's probably lost on 99% of everybody, but I'm okay. Perfect. With that. perfect. <laughs> but so I would use this voice and a number of characters and I put a little slight New York thing. And he had a lisp, and he's kind of just a lighter version of Rocksteady, who was down here and had a lisp. So, wait, so that was another question I had for you. What, where did Rocksteady's voice come from? This isn't Gene Wilder, is he? Uh, no, he's a rhino, and he's a big baby. <laughs> they want him to sound dumb. So I went, okay, he's in preschool. And he's a rhino, so that's why he talks like this, because his voice is low, but I gave him a lisp and this kind of very major talk because he was a big kid. You know, how did you end up becoming Rocksteady? Was that like a plan from the start? Is you guys were all going to double up? No, it was kind of just tossed out into the room, just as willy-nilly as me uh, staying with Leonardo. It was, I mean, I, I don't know what went on behind the glass, but I remember the director going... Uh, okay, Barry and Cam, why don't you take these two? I don't even know. Maybe the other guys know. I wouldn't, don't even know if they were like a bit part that got, you know, as often is in entertainment, you know, someone comes in for a tiny thing and they go, this is killing it. And so they write that actor or that character deeper into the show. I don't know. I mean, was he, were they in the comic books from the beginning? I don't know. No, they weren't. They, they started with the cartoon. Okay. So maybe they were a one-off and they liked it. Uh, I should ask Kevin that. It's a good question. I'm also curious too. Like I, I, I know that like as a kid when I was watching the show, like I just thought Rocksteady was just you know a dumb villain. But when I going back now, like revisiting the show, I kind of feel bad for Bebop and Rocksteady. They just seem like these sort of hapless guys with a bad job. I'm curious. Very misunderstood. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Like how bad do you think he is? He's just a big stupid. You know he if. You know, I think if he ever, you know, aimed one of his whatever, whatever he, what did he use to fight with? Uh, he had a gun a lot of the time. Okay. I think if yeah. he ever hit his target, he burst into tears and going, thinking it was really a pop gun. And you didn't tell me I was going to really hurt somebody. You know, I would just, wait, I kind of slipped into Freddie there, but, uh, <laughs> uh I mean, I never thought that deep into him. Sure. You know, the doofy, you know, the guy who gets the pie in the face, the sure. easily foiled, you know, thugs. 
the funny thing is that he and Bebop seem to have this sort of sweet, supportive relationship for supervillains. It's so strange. I think maybe they were lovers. I wouldn't be Don't surprised. Tell anybody. But it's <laughs> kind of like Bert and Ernie, you know, nobody really knows. Sure. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I mean, there's nothing else there. You know, that's the <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see what I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, I- I'm curious about uh, some of the other cast members there. Uh, what was Peter Renaday like? I- I- he's somebody who I haven't spoke to a lot. Was he actually a bit older than you guys? Yes. And he is, if you've seen any of our posts that I- guys have come over to my house and we've sung a little bit and Pete's been there. Pete is one of the sweetest men I've ever met. And if I didn't mean that, I would just say next, because I'm not <laughs> one of the guys who's going to go, they, oh, what a fabulous person he was, is. Um, he and I actually likewise met way before Turtles. We were in a production, a, a, a live, a, a, a play of, of uh, Hound of the Baskervilles, Sherlock Holmes. We performed it above a bowling alley. So here we're doing this, you know, this, you know, really, in, you know, very intense British, you know, who done it with Sherlock and all of that. And you hear, strike, woohoo, yeah! You know, you just hear all the, all the pins in the background. And so we both get a good chuckle about that. Was he Sherlock? Uh, you'd have to ask Pete. Who are you? Um, I was Lord Baskerville. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yes, I was probably 22 or 3, something like that. And I was uh, just the lord of the, of the manor. Um, what was it like behind the scenes? Because I'm, I'm curious what a recording session was like. I mean, you, back in those days, you guys were all there, right? You were all in the room together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all like an old, like a, like radio shows, you know, we were all there, 10 chairs, whatever, whatever, everybody on their own mic. And, um, um, yeah, it was, it was goofy. It was fun. Sometimes it was tedious. Um, mainly it was just, you know, being in a big sandbox with a bunch of, you know, big kids. And, um, it, you know, when you're together for that long, the show, you pretty much get it down, you know, in your sleep. Sure. Um, so we would, you know, a uh, couple seasons in maybe, you know, we'd do a quick read through and then record it. Um, sometimes uh, the lines were, uh, you know, um, improv lines that a character would throw in there and they'd say, oh, keep that. But most of the time we stuck pretty much to script. I'm hoping you didn't have to be the voice of reason behind the scenes too. The voice? Oh, no. Actually, I sat there. Um, I, I kind of, I'm not a real tap dancer, believe it or not. And I, uh, you know, I'm not much of a circus clown. And some of the guys really are into the silly part. And I'm kind of just like, let's do the job and <laughs> let's do why we're here. Um, but uh, so, you know, I wasn't the leader, but I also wasn't the biggest clown. I left that to Rob and Pat. Oh, cool. <laughs> to be the main court jesters. 
do you remember any of the little ancillary characters you played, like like Pinky McFingers or any of those? Or those kind of fade into the? Is that somebody I played, Pinky McFingers? There's a whole bunch of host of dumb characters you play in that show. He was one of the ones that I was like, maybe because you probably played him two or three times. But I'm just curious. What, what, what was he? Who did he? What was he? He was uh, one of their gangster knockoff characters. He probably appeared in, I mean, maybe two or three episodes at most. Probably uh, can't help you there. That's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm curious. Well, you returned to the role not that many, uh, well, probably four years ago now, give or take, um, for the 2012 series for the crossover episodes. I'm curious what that was like. Like, did you have to refer to old episodes or get back in it, or Leo just fit like an old glove? Oh, yeah. I mean, also, having done conventions and stuff, I mean, it's he, he, uh, he's never left me, unfortunately. My voice is is not much different than uh, the day I started. I've been blessed with, you know, I've never, I don't smoke, I don't drink, don't smoke, you don't drink, what do you do? Um, so my voice hasn't dropped much. I don't have some of the highs because in my early days, I would be up a, against uh, a lot of the girls for little characters. You know, little guys that talk like this. Uh, and I can't get as high as I used to, but uh, E.G. Daly, Debbie Derryberry, um, you know, Tara Strong, uh, I, you know, I go to callback and it's me and a bunch of girls because it's, you know, for the little rabbit or, you know, and I, I, I joke with, with some of the girls that uh, you've not arrived until you've been a Christmas elf. So, you know, that's how you know you've made it because they, you know, and a lot of the girls, likewise, they do like this, but it's, you know, smaller sounding. Sure. Um, but I digress. What was your question? Uh, oh, no, just uh, to prepare to get back into Leo at all. Oh, when, no. When the reboots came, when the crossovers came recently. No. Were those recorded together again or was that piecemeal? Like um, It was a little piecemeal. Maybe one of us was there with the other one. Okay. Uh, so the real fun reunion for me, which, you know, even put a tear in my eye, was when uh, Toyota came along and asked us to do their Christmas campaign year before last. They Their campaign was, uh, remember how excited you were as a kid and you got your action figures. I, I don't remember how it's set up. You could probably find it on, on YouTube. Um, and they uh, stopped motion uh, animated our, our action figures. And they had the four of us in to talk about the car, you know, talk about the seats and the gas mileage and everything while these little action figures are jumping around the car. And, and that was just us, the four of us in the booth, not the new turtles, nobody else. We weren't at Nickelodeon. You know, we were just at a place, the four of us. And that was like, Oh man, remember us? And Rob had to put a gun to my head to start doing conventions because I really didn't want to. And he said, you know, if the four of us got together, people would love it and it would kill. And he's right. I wish I had not pushed so hard against it, you know, and gotten on that, you know, gravy train a few years earlier, but be that as it may, we've had some wonderful weekends together that without conventions, we never would have been spending so much sweet time together. That's very cool. That's where I met you actually was uh, Granite State Con and I had you sign a, uh, 
an animation cell uh, last year in 20... Uh, what, Granite State is in... Where is that? What state uh, is Granite State? I feel bad now. I think it's New Hampshire. I tried to get around it by saying Granite State. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's New Hampshire, but it's one of those New England states. I'm pretty okay. sure. So, All right. <laughs> I really tried to avoid that. But it was cool because I got to... Like, I'd had Rob... Because he does tons of conventions. I'd had him... I have four animation cells, and I'd had Rob sign one years ago. And uh, I was like, when am I going to, and then you guys did a bunch of events in the West coast. And I was like, can I spend a thousand dollars to get these cells? <laughs> Finally, you came over the East coast and I was very excited about it. So. Can I make a shameless plug please, right now? Please do. You heard it here first. Um, we are going to be doing a cyber autograph party together since this is the new, I, I'm, I am not going to use that expression new normal. I'm just going to call it what is now um but we're going to be doing a cyber signing so that people can come together with us whether they're in melbourne uh manhattan or lisbon and uh questions i guess i mean i've not done this i mean i'm just here to look pretty so i don't really know all <laughs> the ins and outs but i think questions will scroll by they're not going to be in on camera with us but they can watch us and we'll be signing on air, you know, so they know these are legit. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm also going to be doing one with David Hayter uh, so that uh, the twin snakes from Metal Gear, Metal oh, Gear cool. Solid, will, will be together. When, uh, when are those? When, I, when is the turtle one? Do you know? I, we don't have a date for that. Uh, I don't know when your podcast is airing. Um, this is airing. But I know David and I are slated, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but are slated a week from this Saturday. And of course, we'll post all kinds of, sure. you know, diddly do. In fact, some of those bells going off might be the promoter <laughs> saying, how about this time? You know, Cam, where are you? Answer <laughs> us. I'll be sure to uh, include that too, because th that sounds pretty cool. That's awesome. Um. One of the, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you something. And we'll also be like, you know, we'll be doing our safe distance. We'll all be in our own, you know, homes. We won't be together. Sure. We'll be elsewhere. Uh, well, going back to Rocksteady, I forgot about one thing I wanted to ask you. Um, if the, uh, in the uh, reboot or the recent episodes where he cameos really quickly, uh, Rocksteady reveals that he wanted to be a personal injury attorney. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> No, but that's pretty funny. Which surprised me. I uh, could just see him in one of those commercials or on one of the sides of the bus that it says, Rocksteady got me $4 million. Ask me how. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and now this says this on your IMDb page, but I know those notoriously um, wrong sometimes. Were you a California raisin? And that would be one of the right times. Okay, cool. Good. And what was your character's name? Bebop, I was the Michael Jackson of the group. <laughs> and I can't get as high as Michael right now, but there were four of us. Jim Cummings, me, uh, uh, Brian Mitchell, who is now Brian Stokes Mitchell, who became a massive Broadway star. And I think he was also on Trapper John. Okay. And Dorian Harewood. So you have pl played both, in a way, Bebop and Rock City. Ha <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Which I never realized until I was pulling this up. And I was like, I wonder if that one's correct. Yeah, so. that, is, that is a truth. 
That is a true. And I've worked, you know, with some of my idols and stuff, which is just, you know, so great, you know, show up one day and the guest is someone that you've like, uh, you know, been a big fan of, and they're sitting right next to you in a chair. So, um, how oh, cool. Any in particular you wanted to, that, that come to mind? Okay. Anyone under the age who's not between the ages of 60 and death would sure. uh, have not heard of them, but you could certainly check them out. Uh, two ladies that come to mind in particular, um, was, um, 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 Eleanor Donahue. She was uh, a regular with me on Eek the Cat. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you recall that show. I do. Um, she played the mother. Eleanor Donahue was on a huge hit in the 50s called Father Knows Best. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was the eldest daughter. And oh, to have her walk in and sit next to me, I was like, I am so not worthy. <laughs> Um, and the other one is, um, Susan Tolsky, okay. who I worked a lot with. She, uh, was on a series that, you know, as a kid, you think the shows you love were on forever. And then you look it up and it's, it was two seasons. You went, wait, didn't I watch this forever? Yeah. But it wasn't, it was a show called here come the brides. And she was a regular character. Her name was Biddy. And, uh, she was on that and, um, it was like, you know, you can, you can keep your Tom Cruise and, uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone to meet these little character actors who were in my living room. Sure. You know, it, I was just like, I was, you know, going to pass out. I get it though. Like I, you know, I, 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 I'm not. And Eleanor was also in Coach, which is uh, oh, probably yeah. closer to your generation. She played the girlfriend of uh, uh, the lead guy. I know Coach. Yeah, for sure. Um, I get it though. Like I, I, I know for me, like I'm not an autograph person. I can give a shit about any of that, but I made sure I went out of my way to get all four turtle autographs. Like that's that, that stuff really mattered to me. And it's like, you know, that's, that's, Whoever you connect with. So I, I get it totally. Well, I, I have, there's two, another, two other actors that are uh, uh, really like intimate friends of mine. And I have a, a small bathroom off the kitchen. It's my, you know, powder room. And I have all kinds, all kinds, it's just wall to wall photos, like, like an Italian restaurant, you know, where they just got all the professional pictures in there. And even if you're my best friend, you have autographed a picture for me if you were from a show that I loved. Uh, one is David Jolliffe, who was one of the leads in a show called Room 222. And the other is a woman whose stage name was Heather Young, who was, a <clears throat> who was on a show called Land of the Giants. Oh, cool. And I had her lunchbox, you know, <laughs> the show had a lunchbox. And we met doing a musical, uh, a stage touring musical together. And I went, are you this, are you the stewardess? You're from Land of the Giants. Ah! And for 40 years, we've been best friends. And I see her every year. We go on a trip together. I go visit her and we go hiking and go for drives and stuff. And it's just, you know, those are the people. that, that That's awesome. Get. And they And their autograph is... To Cam, you know, <laughs> sure. on my wall. And then um, 
uh, Aaron Murphy is a dear friend of mine who played Tabitha on Bewitched. Oh, okay. And and her picture is up on my wall, you know, in this bathroom. That's um, cool. And it just tickles me. I'm curious, does any uh, any weird piece of or turtle nostalgia signed or not sit in your home anywhere? Weird turtle? Oh, I do have not weird. Okay. Yeah, because you don't what is it called? Level seven? I don't know if they still call it that. Do you know what that is? I don't I don't know. I may have the name wrong, but when you go to images of whatever, like turtles or Donald Duck or Okay, whoever, you scroll deep enough, guess what you find? You got uh tell me. Turtle porn. Oh yeah, I know I know. Yeah, so it's like, oh my god, scroll back up, scroll back up. Don't be that weird. <laughs> my eyes. I meant more um, obscure. Maybe that's yeah. no. I have a wall. I collect mid-century toys, and my music room, which is my grand piano, also has my collection of toys. And on one wall, I have cells from all uh, the series that I did that where I had a regular, you know, where I had a was a regular member of the cast and I have this wonderful wall, you know, that's like my diplomas. Sure. And there's a, you know, a turtle picture hanging right in the center of Leo. What is that? What does it look like? And there's also one of rock steady holding, uh, um, April. Oh, very cool. Those animation cells. I mean, like, you know, they're not worth a whole ton, but I mean, I just think it's such a cool because it's no, like, they flooded the market with them when oh, yeah. we went out, you know, Fred Wolf, uh, blech, our producer, um, may he rest in hell. I mean, peace. Um, he, uh, you know, flooded the market with all these cells. So they have no, they have no street oh, yeah. value, which I'm grateful for. Cause they were cheap for me. So that's fine. Yeah. Great, great, great. <laughs> But I mean, like, it's such a cool thing to have because it's just, it's a, such a lost artwork now. So everything's done on a computer. Well, so. And I had some that I had done special for me um, on shows. So they, they are one of a kind cells from, you know, other shows and other shows I was able to dig through, you know, dig through the garbage and, uh, you know, uh, take a cell of this or that or the other. And it's, you know, framed on the wall. Very cool. You know, usually I ask people uh, at the end of these things uh, who their favorite turtle is, but with voice actors, it never seems to make sense. I'm guessing your favorite turtle is Leo, of course. Michelangelo. <gasps> is it really? Okay, this is exciting. Well, I told you that already. I wanted to. I know, to I know, but Michelangelo. still, it's a, now it's official, so. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Is it because uh, it just he's just a lot more fun? Is that why? Yeah. Does he more resemble you? Yes. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm hardly <laughs> the straight man in more than one way. Um, I'm. I'm much more a, a goofy big kid, and so I. I. It's easier for me to. Uh, it's closer to to me than to be Leo. And yet I love the fan mail that I get and how kids interpret their relationship with Leo and sure. being the leader and stuff like that. So I am grateful to be a part of it, but, uh, yeah, given my druthers, uh, you know, it's like, I don't wish I was Donatello cause I certainly am no brain. 
And I don't wish I was Raph because I'm not a wiseacre. And Rob is Donatello. That's him. And also Barry is a brainiac. So it's, um, you know, they were kind of, the attitude is pretty much who they are. Uh, last one I'll ask is, did you have a favorite catchphrase of Leonardo? One that actually like sticks with you that you still love to throw out at fans? We got to think of something fast. <laughs> <laughs> that memorable catchphrase, I see. <laughs> yeah. We got to think of something fast. In fact, at all the conventions, it's kind of like a, just a corny, stale joke when people, all, you know, because people often ask that and everybody looks at me and goes, Cam, what's your favorite line? And then we like all say it together or whatever, but it's, it's just like, cause you know, it's like being the, prof- it's like being the professor on Gilligan's Island. Okay. You know, he never, it's everybody else is doing loop-de-loops sure. around him. Even uh, Mary Ann is playing this goody two shoes. Yeah. And he's just fixing the radio all the time. <coughs> Turtle power out here. Cause I was hoping that would be the answer, but I guess that's probably more true. <laughs> all right. <coughs> All right, on the count of three, and you, you folks out there in radio in podcast land, you say it with me, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Turtle power! Turtles fight with honor. That's my other catchphrase. Thank you, Cam. Honestly, this is perfect, and I appreciate talking to you so much. Thank you so much. You betcha, man. Good interview. Good leads. When the evil shredder attacks, these turtle boys don't cut them no slack. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Splinter taught them to be ninja teens. He's a radical rat. Leonardo leads, Donatello does machines. That's a fact, Jack. Raphael is cool.